Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group, an Edison Energy Company. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha. I'm joined for my catch-up on the European commodity markets by our expert, Henry Omer. Henry, what would you say have been a key development since we last talked about this a couple of weeks ago? Morning, Jeremy. It's great to be back. Overall, what we're seeing is a plateaued kind of a European market. So in terms of key trends changing, we haven't really seen any fundamental shifts. So the three pillars I've mentioned in terms of weather storage LNG remain robust. We're seeing weaker demand. We're seeing pessimism on the economic side as well. Basically status quo. But of course, with the status quo, it also involves the ongoing structural dangers we have in Europe as well. Right. On that subject, I'm wondering, you've mentioned this coming up, the European regulation on joint purchasing of gas are an important initiative, I guess. How much do you think that's going to change the market? That's an interesting point, actually. So throughout the energy crises of, of the past 18, 20 months, there was a strong initiative to get governments um, sort of um, coming in hard, coming in strong with intervention schemes. So these sort of support schemes we haven't really seen since the start of European uh, liberalization of, of energy markets back in the early 90s as well. So from that perspective, you're, you're definitely seeing a change in, in tact by regulators, by policymakers as well. But as we entered into 2023, a lot of that sort of um, push to have that joint purchasing is sort of slowed down. I'm not saying that that scheme is no longer prevalent or no longer important, far from it, it is. But we have to sort of look at it from the context side of things. And that is, the scheme was designed in order to pull European resources in terms of purchasing gas. That was well founded when we had an emergency. Fast forward to Q2 now, Q2 2023, that sort of threat level has actually dropped down significantly. And as such, I'm not really seeing too much push on there as well. We're basically, again, returning to a more equilibrium-based market, a more supply-demand-based market. Now, on the longer-term approach on how that regulation on joint purchasing will come up to play again in case we have a secondary emergency this winter or, or, or any coming winters, that remains to be seen for now. Right. And my sort of slightly cynical take on this is that by the time governments manage to get involved in these things, the crisis has probably sorted itself out, or at least to a large extent. Um, one wonders whether it's still necessary for them to be involved. But as you say, we did face emergency situations. There were some actions that were necessary for governments to take. Uh, and it's probably no harm to have some contingencies in there in case um, things deteriorate in a similar way you know, for security-related reasons rather than pure market reasons at some point in the future. I guess on that point, you mentioned prices plateauing. They're, they're, uh, you know, the new normal, as I call it, is prices an awful lot higher than they were 12 or 18 months ago, but just not as ruinously high as they were last, last autumn. So I guess a lot of people listening to this will be wondering to themselves, is this the time to go, go to tender or to wait? Now, I know you, you can't sort of advise everyone similarly on everything because circumstances vary, but... You know, are there some general comments about this that you think people should be aware of for tendering? That's actually a golden question. It's it's a question I believe many many industry users, compliance entities will be will be looking for forward to. So, a lot of the price shocks over the past 18, 20 months have been fairly shocking to many many energy users in Europe. 
I've known some to see their energy budget balloon from, you know, two, three percent of the annual cost to, to around a third now, 30 plus percent. That, that's no small change. And as such, budgetary certainty, fiscal certainty, even just commercial certainty for the foreseeable future is important. And it goes to, um, coming back to the golden question, as I mentioned, should we wait or should we go? Now, from the general perspective, my view has always been similar in that, yes, we should go for tender because you're not only looking at it from a market risk perspective as well. From a market side, correct. Uh, and if you were asked me today, is there any sort of leeway for markets to fall further um, in absolute terms? Yes, indeed. We probably will see further corrections. The question then I would revert is how much are you willing to risk? Because again, we're talking about risk management when it comes to energy. Now, in terms of near-term downsides, you're probably looking between 10, 15%-ish on the downside probability. Please bear in mind, uh, something I mentioned in my last session, LNG is structurally more expensive. You're talking $6 per MMBTU times 3.4-ish uh, to get the euro equivalent. That means you should already assume to pay a premium for current gas because LNG is our, is our new Russia, so to speak. So from that alone, premiums are here to stay. And from that perspective, I would draw attention to the backwardation we have currently in the market. There is still calendar year backwardation, meaning again, year on year cost certainty for some clients could come into play. And as such, I would again draw attention to that. So saying that, yes, let's go to tender now. The secondary point I would add on here is Q2s of any particular calendar year have traditionally been proven to be the best entry point. If you look back even before the energy crisis, of 2021, 2022 as well, because historically Q2 is where we just exited winter. We know where gas storages are. We're seeing a little bit more flexibility from suppliers as well. But then when you enter Q3, you have the summers, you have the holiday season coming up. In August, the um, the Mediterranean market starts to sort of shut down for business. So there might be delays. Again, something that uh, people tend to forget is when you choose a tender, you don't get to launch a tender right this moment. It takes a month and a half, two months to do bear in mind. So again, my advice would be have go for tender, have a contract in place. And if you really want to wait, you can, because when you have a contract, you don't necessarily have to hedge, assuming again, you're talk, we're talking flex contracts in this particular conversation. I think it's a really important point about lead times. Um, if you wait for the time to be perfect in quotes to do something, you may find the moment has gone. It's great to have the option to do so. And of course, this applies, you know, not just to private sector clients, but public sector ones too, to the extent they can manage this within their sort of procurement rules. It's not just something for large industrial consumers, is it? Exactly. Also, something to, again, highlight here is we've seen cases last year where suppliers have unilaterally pulled out from tenders because of the uncertainty. It's a supplier-based market right now. They do hold all the cards. So right now, when things are good, when flexibility is returning, could be good to lock in contracts because there's no guarantee if something goes wrong, suppliers might be start pulling off from tenders again or actually flat out refusing going into tenders. Right. In terms of what might go right um, in, in the immediate future, I gather Bloomberg are reporting where there is a possibility of an oversupplied gas market in Europe and possibly elsewhere, with markets dropping further on 2023. What's your, your sort of comment on that? Are, are there risks on, on the other side in terms of Asian demand or other things that might cause a spike in LNG prices? That's actually a very, very interesting sort of um, um, article published by Bloomberg and it's something I've seen being cited by a lot of analysts since its publication. So it's true. 
we're basically seeing an oversupply market with the robustness of our, our LNG arrivals, record storages as well, and unseasonably mild weather since winter, basically. So we, we, we've gotten quite lucky to an extent. So there are cases where people cite, and again, most of the most of the articles drawing attention to an oversupply in the G market as well, not just in Europe, but globally as well, even seeing oversupply cases in Asia. And because of that, the re-export of LNG from the East Asian region to Europe as well. Hence, again, why I mentioned at the start and again in my previous section where we're not really seeing competition increasing from East Asia, traditionally our biggest competitor for spot LNG. However, Bloomberg does this really, really well because right at the end of that article is two sentences and it says that the European gas balance is much more fragile compared to any previous years. And that's what I would draw attention to. There are structural dangers. We're good now, but can we guarantee this being good? It doesn't take a lot for any disruptions to happen, and that can spiral into major impacts for Europe. Right now, we also have to bear attention with weak hydro. Again, we don't really need it for the time being. We're, we're in spring. Again, gas demand starts to drop now before increasing again in Q3 for summer with increased cooling, and then the heating risk coming in Q4 as well. So Q3, Q4 does bring additional demand based on historical patterns alone. So that could again have an increase and we're not we're no longer as flexible as we would like. Again, as I mentioned, we went from a single source gas market relying heavily from Russia. Now that's been removed. We're now reverting to again another type of single source market by relying heavily LNG, most of it which comes from the United States at the moment. So anything that sort of rattles this current status quo could have, again, potential to sort of pump up and increase the dangers and premiums in the market again. I think that's a really important point. Yes, we're in a much better situation than we were this time last year, uh, thankfully, and that's reflected in prices. And there's a possibility that things might get a little bit better, but equally, the vulnerability is there. And as we learned last year, prices can rocket up in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that you know is commercially extraordinarily damaging to anyone who's exposed to that. And you mentioned hydro. Are there any sort of brief takeaway comments about um, the recharge of hydro in Norway or an alpine regions and indeed uh, on, the, on the work that's going on in the French nuclear fleet we ought to be aware of? Yes, it's, it's probably worthwhile to sort of revert back to those two because those two are what I call fundamental dangers. So we're no longer talking about the speculative dangers of any geopolitical actors. These are data-driven, can be proven sectors in Europe where it's already been shown that Europe is facing a milder winter spell. And it's good for gas throughout this conversation as we have been having. But one little unknown is because of that extremely mild winter, we're seeing lower snowfall in certain places, lower rainfall as well. And that's creating and cascading uh, sort of issues with weaker hydro, particularly in Iberia, uh, particularly in the Alpine regions as well. Norwegian hydro has sort of um, plateaued a little bit, but for Norway, I would draw one attention. This is going back last year. The Norwegian government has actually said, actually a couple of times, that in case dam levels get too low, they might actually limit power exports. Now, Norway is also our, our significant energy partner right now after Russia has been removed from the energy matrix. So in case of any disruptions to that particular line, that particular route also could have significant consequences for power pricing as well. And then we come back to the elephant in the room. 
French nuclear. It's no secret that we, we, we saw a significant rebound in Q4 last year, uh, early Q1 as well. Uh, but since then, it's, it's, it's gone down quite rapidly on the back of strikes, on the back of persistent safety issues, maintenance issues. One other thing as well, we're seeing, again, harder to get uh, workers, specialized workers to actually help uh, solve these cracks and corrosion, specialized sort of equipment needed, specialized training needed in these cases. Now, once you sort of start postponing maintenance um, as well towards the latter end of the year, you create a, a risk where you might actually come across new corrosion, new safety issues. Plants might need to be shut off longer uh, at a time, and that creates uncertainty as well. And it, it's not helped by the, the current sort of wider policymaker level decisions in Europe right now. The famous one, most recent one, as we've seen reported in the news, the Germans sort of, um, sort of removing nuclear from the grid. And what, what happened exactly is what many people predicted. They had to import more from the French. So now you have Europe ever so more reliant on LNG, ever so more reliant on Norwegian exports, and also ever more so reliant, especially from the continental perspective, of a French fleet that unfortunately has been underperforming for many, many years. Indeed, and most unfortunate from the point of view of security of supply to see that remaining nuclear capacity go off the bars in Germany. We need as much low-carbon secure power as we can get our hands on at the moment. Even if you don't think it's a good idea to build new nuclear, why would you close the existing stuff down? I, I guess in the, in the meantime, that leaves us praying for some warm, windy weather to help with uh, renewable uh, production and demand for power. But lastly... You know, what's the view, would you say, from 2024 onwards? Now, 2024 opens up new horizons because that's when we start, we will start to see additional capacity from the Americans when it comes to LNG. So officially, it seems you will have a bit more capacity, a bit more opportunity, uh, a bit more flexibility when it comes to LNG. Now, on paper, that's good. But in reality... LNG projects, even though slated to launch in 2024, we can't guarantee that. There could be delays, there could be financing issues. The other sort of big topic right now, recessionary fears, could a project last until then? Uh, those, are, those are risks and uncertainty. And 2024, from an energy perspective, is a long, long way away. We still have to get through a big chunk of 2023, a very uncertain chunk of 2023 as well. So the immediate term showcases the markets are placing risk here. Again, Building back on my earlier example, the backward data curve, year one is still again trading at a premium compared to year two, year three, even in France with all its nuclear sort of issues. So there is that sort of um, level of risk in this year we need to solve first. Now from 2024, it doesn't mean the uncertainty goes away because again, the longer term trend in Europe is heading towards net zero. Now, renewable energy is intermittent. We can't control the weather just yet. But again, we can't guarantee every day is going to be sunny, windy or wet. And that means you will need peaking demand. And unfortunately, peaking demand right now is basically handled by coal for the time being. So again, any uncertainties around the gem mix could increase risk around that side as well. And also, we also have to mention there's only really one LNG facility coming online in 2024. If we're looking at the current long-term goal of the American LNG sort of market, it actually goes beyond 2024 into 2025. So in that case, until 2025, you do have that again, another 18 months plus plus of possible uncertainties 
And that's what Europe is expected to face. Volatility will still be there. We need to face possibly higher cost of energy for a longer than expected period of time because of the lack of energy security. And last but not least, the uncertainties in the market will probably keep premiums uh, at a certain level because again, we're still not out of the woods, so to speak, for now. And there are things we really need to fix as a continent before we will get to a full energy security Europe, whereby we can start seeing uh, pricing really coming down and start a new, new normal compared to what we're facing right now. Well, thank you, Henry. I think that's a really good way of summing it up. Uh, the risks haven't gone away and there's an awful lot of things we need to be doing now to make sure we don't return to similar problems on security of supply at some point in the future. So I look forward to catching up with you in, in a few weeks' time about this. I hope you found that interesting too. If you did, do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK for our reports there. And do listen out and join us again for a podcast again soon. <laughs>